Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley Fox, and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled, I have Sarah Rose Brights with me. Sarah is a leading sex, pleasure, and intimacy coach, and she is on a mission to empower women to discover their pleasure and feel sexually confident so that they can truly enjoy sex and create healthy relationships. Sarah, it's such a pleasure to have you on today. Can you please tell the listeners what brought you to this work? Mm, Thank you so much for having me on, Becky. It's lovely to connect. And yeah, so what brought me to this work was my own challenges in this area of my life. And I'm really open about this because people can assume that because you're doing this work it must be because you've always been amazing in bed and you feel really sexually confident but absolutely it was the opposite that was true for me so by the time I got to my 30th birthday I hated my body and my genitals I thought they were deformed I didn't know what I wanted in bed I was actually terrified of sex many times I just freeze and I didn't couldn't communicate anything And I just got to the age of nearly 30 and I was just like, I have to do something about this. I cannot go on because it had affected all my relationships. And also I'd had periods where I'd actively avoided intimacy because I just didn't know what was what I thought was something wrong with me. And then I uh, started exploring this area of my life, which was one of the scariest things I've ever done. However, it's opened up some magic. And here I am 15 years later and this having been my full-time career for the last 10 years. Wow, I love that. I love when I get people on in three episodes and it comes from a place of authenticity because you have the lived experience and you know how transformational and magical this work can be. And I have people saying similar stuff to me about anxiety because I I experience a lot of anxiety and people think, well, you're you're a therapist, so you have all the stuff together. And I have to tell people all the time, you know, no, the reason why I'm, one of the reasons why I'm doing this type of work is because I have been through mental health difficulties and I've experienced so much anxiety in, in my past. So yeah, I think it's really important to get that word out there that we're not perfect and we've had troubles as well. And still have, you know, it, life is yeah. ever changing. So I'm in thick of perimenopause at the moment. So my body and everything is changing in whole new ways. And um, with my partner, I'm still learning. I'm still growing and evolving. And there's times when I still clam up a little bit or I still, oh, I'm not sure what I want. So, but I now have much more compassion for myself and the tools to create much more really healthy relationships and really great sex lives. But there's times when sex isn't, isn't the best. And then there's other times it's absolutely amazing because Um, I'm a human being as well and life is messy and things move up and down but I don't worry about it anymore (laughs) yeah and I think that's the word isn't it compassion because that's what I see with clients it's not going perfectly so they get in their head and they start catastrophizing and um, picking at themselves about it when if we just have a bit of knowledge a bit of um, protocol and tools in which to use and then just the understanding that, well, some days we're not going to want to have sex. Some days I'm not going to feel empowered to connect with my sexuality and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Or I've got tools to access that if it's not there rather than think there's something wrong with me because it's not happening. Yes, yes, exactly that. And today we're going to talk about how to know what you want in bed and how to ignite sexual desire. 
Sarah, can you kick us off by telling the listeners your thoughts on these topics and why you think it's an important conversation? Yeah, so I work with many, many people and I would say 95% of the people I work with will say they don't know what they want in bed. Mm. And that can be for heaps of different reasons. And often it plays out in the rest of their lives as well. So, you know, I work with people who would often identify as maybe being a people pleaser, that they're very easy and um, comfortable with putting everybody else's needs before their own. And because of that, they've maybe even never had the opportunity to connect with their own needs and their own wants and their own desires. And if we don't know what we want or we don't even know how to find out what we want, which is also the case um, with many of my clients, then we are not going to have the tools to create a great and enjoyable sex life. And so it can affect us on so many different levels. So I love this exploration of finding out what somebody likes and how to access that. And usually there's something there. They just have, uh, there's always things there once we start to dig and ask questions, even if it's just knowing I like to be touched in a certain way. It can be as simple as that. Uh, so it's such a hugely important conversation to have and also to be able to keep in tune with this because it changes as, we, as we've already alluded to before what we want after having a child might be different than beforehand or when we're in perimenopause or when we're tired versus when we've got a lot of energy. And so having that ability to tune in and feel into what we want in the moment as well, not just in terms of there's the th knowing the sort of things that we might like and enjoy, but there's also the ability to tune into the moment and to be able to say, mm, this is what I feel I want right now. This is what I'd like. So it's important on so many levels. And I think trusting that as well. So trusting that what they think that they like is actually what they like, because what I've noticed in clinical practice is people are unsure or they're unsure of what they really want to put out into the world. So they don't know how to make that a firm boundary because there's so much hesitation. Do I think I like that or do I actually like that? Have you experienced that as well, this kind of confusion? Absolutely. And there's so many people will approach me and they have a set idea of what they think sex should look like mm. and a set of expectations. And often they're performing to a script of how they think sex should be. And so for me, I... My, one of my biggest joys is helping people to unlearn and undo all the conditioning of how they think sex should be, the myths and beliefs that they're carrying about how sex should look, um, and finding what is authentic and true for them, finding their authentic sexual expression. And that takes uh, time to access all the things that might be getting in the way of that. So for example, some people don't even, um, are, 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 so, so our body can hold so many signals, but they may be not noticing what arouses them and lights them up, or they may, may feel shame or judge themselves because they are aroused or lit up by a certain thing or things. Um, so there can be so many layers to what's happening there. And then there's the, the trust aspect is key because 
it may be we've got so many messages about our desires like for example that our desires will get us into trouble I mean those those messages are so strong in our culture so maybe I can't trust my desires because they've got me into trouble before or I believe they'll get me into trouble so it's unpicking the scripts that we carry and I mean these are just a small taster of some of the scripts that I see regularly in my clients to find out what's authentic and true for you as an individual. And I love what you were saying about links between not knowing what you want in bed and also being a people pleaser in life. And I'm wondering if you've noticed, is that particularly true for any type of gender or sex or is that true across the board for everyone that you've worked with? I find it's absolutely true across the board that, that what, however your gender identification is, there are there'll be people that are people pleasers and that's the pattern that they've 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 grown into in their family or due to circumstances a whole range of different experiences for sure and how can people start to learn what they want so (laughs) so when I first realized in a workshop in my early 30s somebody asked me what I wanted And I just froze because I didn't know. And it was this big aha moment of, oh my gosh, I'm in my early thirties and I don't know what I want. And how did I get to this place? And I actually just sobbed. But once I got through the sadness and the grief of that, then I was like, right, I want to find out. And this heap of curiosity arose within me. So first of all, it's never too late. You know, my oldest client was 78. And she, the first conversation we had she was like, I want to find out all about this pleasure thing before I um, go to the other <laughs> side. And so it's never too late to learn. So if you don't know what you want, first of all, that's not an unusual position to be in and it's okay. And also, if you think you know what you want, how much of that is things that you've learned you should want versus what you truly want? And if you know what you want, there's always more things to discover as well and more nuances and, and, and things. So this, 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 these inquiries really apply to everybody um, on some level. So knowing what you want is, I feel that a great place to start is what you have already experienced. There's clues in your life experiences. So for example, thinking of your favorite sexual experiences what is it about those sexual experiences that you've enjoyed? And if you haven't had any experiences that you'd call favorite experiences, what do you imagine those experiences look like? Because you'll daydream, particularly the females I work with, they don't think they fantasize because fantasy for them, they imagine it's like an elaborate story with an end point and this script, but actually fantasy might be that you just daydream about kissing somebody it could be as simple as that so what you've experienced in your life that's really excited you or turned you on or aroused you um, what you fantasized about again what is it about those fantasies where are you who are you with what's the qualities of the experience and it's also really great to look at what are the most arousing points for you So if, for example, is it when somebody expresses desire for you? Is it when you're in charge? Is it when somebody else is in charge? Is it when you um, 
are feeling really tender and connected. You know, it could be so many different things. So all of these are clues to what authentically lights you up. And it might be things that you've seen on um, the movies, porn, erotic literature, all of these things that you may have explored over the years as well. So that's a really good place to start. And remember exploring things that it might be really simple as I love really soft touch on the center of my back. You know, it doesn't people also imagine that what I want has to be grand and sexual adventures. And it may well be that, but it also might be super simple things that just really work for you, that you're, they're your gateway into your pleasure. So they're really good places to start and then get curious, you know, look and go out. And also, what have you imagined that you might want to try, but you've never experienced or you might want to experience? And there's so many, you know, working with somebody like myself or you, there's also so many books and websites and things to go out and explore as well. And go and explore with that curiosity of what is it that I lights me up and what is it that I'm curious about? So that's a really good place to start. I love that so much. You know, explain it and describe it in such a beautiful and coherent way that's really understandable. And I think what I'm taking from what you're saying is it doesn't need to look a certain way. It can include all of the five senses. So what you want in bed might be to do with touch. It might be to do with taste or smell. It could be to do with... Um, what you see what's surrounding you maybe lighting a candle or music or silence or an audio book in the background it can be anything as well as these fantasies in your mind or even the energy or the dynamic or the type of sex and what you want to experience and I think that is so important because we might get fixated on one of those avenues thinking well that's the avenue that I need to explore when in reality you can explore all of the facets and which of those facets is more important to you and which ones don't you care so much about and how can you find pleasure and be curious whilst playing with them absolutely absolutely yeah and it's a it's an ever-changing thing and what you what you might want when you have more energy might be different to what you want when you're tired and you know, so that there's all these different cycles within cycles in our lives um, that it's great to expand the repertoire of what's possible for what we can enjoy. So absolutely. And it's a great discovery. It's like, go be your own pleasure detective yeah. and just get really curious. <laughs> and sometimes just sitting down with a diary or a journal and just writing I, I want or I desire and just letting the pen flow and see what's there. Because sometimes just that alone will, the first stage will, will often bring out what we know already, but then it starts to give space for the deeper desires and wants. And if you're somebody who, you know, I've had people, I remember one woman, when I asked her what she wanted, she broke down and sobbed because nobody had ever asked her that question and genuinely cared about the answer in her life. It was so huge for her. And for many people that I work with, that question can seem huge and overwhelming. And I describe it as like um, a, it's like a radio channel that we've lost connection with or maybe never even had connection with. And so also to notice what you want and desire in your life day to day, 
you know, if, if somebody offers you a cup of tea, what type of tea would you like? Or if somebody suggests you go to the cinema, what film do you want to see? Because I, I've worked with many clients who will just say to the other person, oh, I don't know, you choose. And so just exercising it like a little muscle. And instead of the channel being like, you start to tune in and hone the frequency of that channel. And with practice, it gets easier. And also notice the stories that come into your orbit around this, because it might be underneath it, my needs aren't important, my needs don't matter. Um, I don't deserve this. Often there'll be a story there. And so it's great to bring awareness to these stories because then we can start to write a different story for ourselves. Yeah, I love that you brought that in because I was thinking about shame. And those mm. of you who listen to my podcast, you'll know I talk about this all the time because this is what I see surrounding me and the people that I work with and my friends and family. And I know that for quite a lot of people, if they start taking up space in the world or taking up space in the bedroom and reclaiming their sexuality, along with the experience of curiosity afterwards will often bring shame. Because although in the moment, that's what they want to do, there's maybe some feelings of, well, I don't deserve to feel like this, or I don't deserve to take the time out and give myself pleasure. Is that something you've experienced in your clinical work as well? All the time, yeah. <laughs> all the time. And so for me, I often, I often start with exploring all of this out of the sexual arena, because many people that I work with don't allow themselves pleasure in the day to day, or if they do, they feel guilty around it, or they feel shame or all different things. So by practicing again, exercising the pleasure muscle of connecting with little bits of pleasure. So I'm a real fan of like what I call micro practice. So just having little micro moments of pleasure and pepper your day with that starts to open this up. And then you can explore the stories or the feelings that you're carrying. And it doesn't have, it's, it's like you're clearing the space then for your, it's easier then to transfer into the more intimate sexual domain. It mm. still may well come up, but you have more confidence of what you might do when that comes up or you might have a different relationship with it. So rather than it be overpowering and shut you down, you might see it as a familiar friend that you can go, okay, I recognize this and do something different about it so it's it's just an unraveling and, an, and, and, and a revealing of all these different layers that we carry yeah so start small start outside of the bedroom and use that as practice for as and when you are experiencing the stuff inside the bedroom too yeah that's great yeah and this is where and also I think this is where talking about it is so huge as the first part as well because I, you know, very see so many of my clients can, you know, they're literally paralyzed with the shame when they first start working with me and they just feel there's no hope that, that, that they're going to give this a go, but there may even be a belief that they're going to be the one that this doesn't work out for. And then once they have that space and feel safe enough to talk about this, often the floodgates open and it's like, wow, and can I ask you this? Can I ask that? And I'm amazed how relaxed I'm feeling about this. I didn't imagine this would be the case, you know, and it's just because that's yeah, why my passion is this work because when we carry all of this, it affects us in so many different aspects of our lives. And then when we face the fears around this area, what opens up is just so beautiful. <laughs> 
Um, so just even the talking of it can really help bust some of the shame. Yeah, I know when I've run workshops before on empowering your yoni and connection to your vulva and vagina, and someone said to me, at the beginning of the two hour workshop, every time you said the word vulva or vagina, I would feel myself getting embarrassed and I feel my cheeks getting hot and I found it really uncomfortable. But by the end of just a two hour workshop, when you said those words, it didn't have that effect on me anymore. So I think that just goes to show that the importance of speaking about this stuff and being surrounded by people who will also speak about this stuff with you so that it destigmatizes it a little bit and makes it seem just a little bit more neutral absolutely and you know I I couldn't say the word vagina without feeling excruciatingly <laughs> embarrassed and so many so many um, people I work with especially females do not have a name for their own genitals yeah. and you know that is so common and how can we have a relationship with something that we don't have a name for and so uh, it's a question I ask every single one of my clients you know what do you call your genitals and What's your relationship? We will dig you know, deep into that relationship. And so finding a name that you feel comfortable with and you might, you might be out there listening and there might be nothing that you feel comfortable with at the moment. But again, just get curious. And I sort of feel like trying names are like trying clothes on. Does this fit? I'll try this for a few <laughs> days. Actually, the more I say it and the more I am with this word, the more I feel comfortable with it. Um, or I try it out and it's not for me, but I think it's so important that we, part of our reclaiming of our bodies is having a name that we feel, that we feel empowered when we say it, that we feel um, a yes in our bodies when we say it. But this is the problem of having zero sex education that's of any value. And it's, you know, this, that's such a huge piece of the jigsaw. And once people start to go out and educate themselves in whatever way they do that, um, then that sort of curiosity and relief and everything comes in. And there's also so many other layers, as we know, from huge amounts of um, trauma and all of the other things that happen that affect this area of our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, But the education piece is one that we can is a big one that we can pick up and, and go to going to workshops like yours and all the other wonderful things. You know, when I was doing this work 15 years ago and I started, there was hardly anything out there. Yeah. And now there's just a, an amazing range of things that are available to us, um, whether it's online, whether it's in person, you know, books, everything. Yeah. And it's making me think about low sexual desire because I know a lot of people that I talk to, they do have a disconnect between their genitals and how can we be sexual, as you said, if we already have that disconnect, we need to develop some sort of connection. And I think that is one of the reasons for low sexual desire. What do you think? What do you think the reasons are? Gosh, I think there's so many reasons for it. And I think one of the big reasons that I see is people are having sex that's not that pleasurable. (laughs) And I love, and they're bored, and they're all of these things. And there's a a woman called Peggy Kleinplatz, who's an amazing sex therapist in America. And she asked a client, uh, a client was describing how they have sex with their partner. And she just said it just popped out. She said, if I was having sex like that, I wouldn't want it either. <laughs> and the client just burst out laughing and it just t- changed everything. And it's like so many people I see, they come to me thinking there's something wrong with them because they're not enjoying sex and they're trying to 
enjoy this sex which is often very goal focused and would be regularly described to me as mechanical and functional all these different words and they're trying to enjoy it but they're not going to enjoy it um because they're it's not what their bodies want or it's they're repeating the same things again and again and they're not having space for their bodies to um relax and enjoy and get to know their bodies so that seems for me, that is a huge, big reason um, why um, uh, people are experiencing low desire. And so I also want to sort of bring in the concept of responsive versus spontaneous desire, because I think this is really, really important. And um, Emily Nagowski talks about this in her wonderful book, Come As You Are. And so she talks about the two types of desire as spontaneous and responsive. So spontaneous is when just sexual desire just happens. You have a thought and you feel desire in your body or a partner just strokes you in a certain way. You feel desire. And for male bodies, that's around. Um, uh, and the, the statistics are in the gender binary. But for male bodies, that's around 75 percent. And this for females, this is around 15 percent when they just want sex. OK, and yet this has become the gold standard of, you know, when people say to me, uh, I haven't got, I've got low sex drive. And I, I will always ask low compared to what? How do you define it as low? How do you know it's low? And they will have some uh, expectation that their sexual desire should look a certain way. Now, the other type of sexual desire is responsive. And that means you have to have something to respond to for your desire to kick in. So whereas the spontaneous one is I feel desire and get aroused, the responsive one is I need to get feel something that feels arousing for my desire to kick in. And if you don't have anything to respond to, you could go months or years without feeling any sexual desire. Now, for me, knowing this is an absolute game changer. And for many of my clients, it's just been like, oh, my gosh, I'm OK. And it just makes such sense. And so the responsive desire is 30% roughly of female bodies, 5% of male bodies. And then about uh, for females, about 50% are a mix of the two and for about 20% of male bodies. And so that to me is just mind blowing and a game changer to know that because then it's like, well, how do I create the type of sex that I want? What does that look like? and really getting to explore and know and understand that but also how do I create feeling good in my body because so many you know women that I work with are stressed out exhausted overwhelmed all these different things um, and have very little connection time with themselves on a day-to-day -day. and again you know there is a reality there's tough times out there at the moment if you're looking after a, two young children or you're looking after an elderly parent there's certain situations in life where it's not as easy to access as others and maybe even impossible um i worked with a couple and they didn't want they wanted to know why they weren't enjoying uh, feeling desire for sex they'd had five bereavements in their family between them in the last 12 months but they'd not link the two yeah. and so and, and Mama Gina, who you may know of, who's an amazing sort of uh, female teacher in the stage, she said, and I was reading a blog yesterday, she said, practice the shit out of pleasure in the day to day when you can. 
And then when it's, you know, just practice bringing pleasure into your life. And for me, it's five minutes of dancing or it's, you know, just spending a few more minutes in the shower, enjoying your body. It's all these little moments to really connect with yourself and your turn on and your just your your desire for yourself and for life. And then in the harder times, it may make you're more versed at being able to access these places because you just know what works for you and you know dancing might look like oh, I just want to dance this frustration out of my body or this rage out of my body you know it doesn't have to look pretty or perfect so these ways to connect with yourself on a day-to-day -day basis can keep the desire more like it's simmering rather than it's not there at all um, and you know also when I'm working with people with low desire one of my questions is what do you desire in your life you know what is it that you're doing in your life that brings you joy and 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 beauty and pleasure and again sometimes there can be very little on that list so we'll start there like let's bring some things into your life and and um, that, that light you up it's all linked all interlinked the, the T. Harvey Eck of the coach says how you are in anything is how you are in everything and I think that's so true and so it's all interlinked. It's so true. Yeah, such great points. And I think it's also in Emily Nagossi's book where she talks about arousal non-concordance. So yeah. for the listeners, what that is, is again, they're saying that people with vulvas have this more so, but people with penises can also experience this. And it's where you might feel that you're aroused in your brain, but maybe your genitals are not responding um, so maybe the penis isn't getting erect or maybe the vagina isn't lubricating, things like that. And the opposite can also be true where the mind doesn't feel like it's aroused, but the genitals are responding as if they are. So on top of this spontaneous and responsive desire, then if we're in a sexual situation, we might notice that the body isn't responding in tune to the mind. And I think just knowing that that is also normal, that is an experience of being for many people of being human as well, already can get rid of so much pressure and stress because it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you're not aroused. It doesn't mean that you are aroused. It just means the body is responding in this way at the moment. And what else can you do now to give you pleasure and give you fun and give you joy? Yeah. And also just checking in and listening to that because also your genitals may be responding and your partner might think it's all go, but actually... Yeah you don't want to do it. That's what your mind's saying. So it's like when those moments happen, just checking in to what's really happening here. What do I need? Is it pleasure? Is it to pause? Is it to stop? Is it so, so pausing is one of my favorite things. It's just these moments just to check in and notice what's happening. We often feel we have to be do, do, doing in sex all the time or any sexual encounters. And I really encourage people to just pause. What does feel, what feels right next? Um, and really listening in to our bodies. And this leads back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast about what do we what do we want? And I think it's important as what do we not want as well? And maybe what we don't want is to have sex or to carry on the sexual exchange, or maybe you want a certain type of sexual interaction, but not all of it. So yes. by knowing what you do want also helps you to know what you don't want in the moment. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. beautifully put <laughs> it's been such a pleasure to have you on today I really loved it can you please tell the listeners where they can find you yeah absolutely so if you go to my website which is sarahrosebright.com 
and I've got all sorts of wonderful things on there and you can find out about my one-to-one work, my uh, online course, my events. I'm also on YouTube and uh, just about to revive my Insta channel with, so both of those under Sarah Rose Bright um, and also on Spotify. So I've been creating some wonderful playlists. So if you're looking for some sensual music, some massage music, some inspiration, check me out on there as well. And I always love to hear from you. So do get in touch. Amazing. I'm going to pop that all in the show notes page. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. (laughs) 